drink beer because I should. If there was a song to sing, I sing it and beer you drink. I drink beer when I am sad, cause the beer it makes me glad. Now there's nothing left to say, so let's go drink beer. Beer is good! Beer is good! Beer is good! And stop! Beer is good! Beer is good! Beer is good! Let's go drink some beer! What's up, people? How we doing tonight? We're coming to you live from the Mike Has a Drink studio in Which Mercer, Pennsylvania. I gotta tell you, it's nice to be back in in person. Yeah, yeah, last week was really weird, man. It was a little rough. It was weird. It was, uh... It was an experience. It's cool. We know that we can bring three people on now at once or whatever, but I don't want to make a habit of, habit of that. You know, and it's my fault because about two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, I was bragging that I haven't had COVID and I've avoided it and blah, blah, blah. And then, sure enough. The Rona said surprise, bitch. Yeah, yeah. It was not the, it was not the friendly one. You know, it wasn't the, oh yeah, you tested positive, but there's nothing wrong with you. It was the, I don't even want to move, breathe, right, or think. So, but on the mend, still have some residual shit. You know, I'm still tired. Malone's always felt heavy. Yeah, still tired all the time. But besides that, I'm feeling decent. Um, shout out to our, we got two shout outs actually. Shout out number one to once again our main man at Psycho Stick. That's right. We love you guys. Thank you for writing the theme song for our podcast before we even existed. It was like it was meant to be. Um, and then shout out to our best friend ever, Steph. Steph, our BFF. Who, um, on a, you know, with her flexibility, she was, she was flexible enough that we could give her less than 24 hours notice that she was going to be our special guest on the podcast this evening. Shout out from the DE. Yeah, from from the old tax-free state. <laughs> Communism? <laughs> close, pretty close. <laughs> they they definitely they're definitely making it up for it somewhere. So, um Okay, no, that was a long email about my class reunion coming up in like two weeks. Yeah, I'm not gonna make it. You know, I do. Dude, it's six hours away. I talk. I talk to the. I'm telling you, Mike. Need, Mike has a drink. Needs to do a podcast at your reunion. Oh man, <laughs> that'd be something. But I talk to like the four people that I went to high school with that I want to talk to. Right. You know what I mean. Not that I have anything against the other guys or the other girls, but like, you know, yeah, you kind of have that core group and you just keep them together, you know. And right. Keep your circle small, man. You don't, you don't let some random people come in. Whoa, peanut. Looks like Hudson had a peanut. That'll be interesting later. Um, so yeah, I don't know that I'm gonna make it. We'll see. Um, I don't know what else we got going on. If you uh, if you want to be on, be a guest, have an idea, we're open to anything. We'll talk anything except politics. We just really I don't want to go politics. Right. Uh, you know, hit us up at uh, 
Mike has a drink at gmail.com. Or our Facebook page. <laughs> or find us on the TikTok. Um, the Instagram page is, I had a log back in, so Instagram is back up sort of. I just can't remember my Mike has a drink Instagram password. So I'm working on it. Um, I think we're up to a hundred and, 155 Facebook fans, so that's decent. Share us, share us with your people, people. We're trying to get the word out. Um, you know, a guy, guy can't work forever. You know what I mean? I'm looking, I'm looking for some of that Logan Paul or Jake Paul money. Um, cause if not, I'm telling you, it's coming. Tom and I. We'll be selling feet picks, feet picks on OnlyFans. And my toes are hairy as hell, people. Look, I've already been looking into like the little wax things for your feet, Tom. Oh yeah. Apparently that's a thing. People will buy that. You wax it, you peel it off, and then you mail it to them. And some people are paying like two, three hundred bucks. I'm telling you, it might happen. We can do that when we go and live with our BFF at the beach. That's right. Work for five minutes at the pool. The, uh, Mike has a drink version of spa day, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, because um, let me tell you, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know that I would fa- wax much else. I've done my nose. Oh, my God. It's a terrible idea. Oh, mm-hmm. let me tell you. I felt like I was pulling my, pulling my brain out. You could feel it ripping, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not doing that again. I don't care. So, anywho, I digress. Canadians and your beauty standards. Well, you know, it's that freaking Canadian nose hair, man. <laughs> well, got, I mean, you got to deal with it. It goes to negative 100 degrees Celsius every year, so you know, right. you, you got to have that insulation. But I don't need it down here. Right. Um, I only need it for like two months. Up there, you need it for like a good eight. So tonight we are uh, actually finishing up our bottle of margaritas. <laughs> um, Tom was over here yesterday for the podcast planning meeting and said, what are we drinking tomorrow? And I said, well, let's unscrew the liquor cabinet and see what's in there. And uh, the bottle that had the most in it was the Jorah shit that he brought. And <laughs> neither of us were wanting to go that route again. So in the very back corner, we found a whole bottle of margarita mix. So that's what we had tonight. Um, mixed it with some ice. And uh, after not drinking for almost three weeks, I'm feeling it. It really surprised me because Mike actually came out and joined us at the bar on Saturday, Chelsea and yeah. I, to shoot some pool. Yeah. And bartender said, what are you drinking? And he goes, Diet Coke. And I looked at him like, are you are you still sick? Yeah. Not feeling up to it. I don't, I don't need to drink at a bar to have fun. Especially in that bar. That place was hopping. <laughs> All nine of us in there at one time. Yeah, I thought it was going to get shut down, Steph. I thought we were going to violate some kind of occupancy limit. Oh, that kind of bar. 
nine people, and there was uh, like two empty chairs. That was it. Ninety percent of it is like empty for the pool table. Which isn't a bad thing because at least you have room to shoot in that bar. Yeah. It's like there's three slot machines, a video jukebox, and a pool table. I will say the burger I had, even though I couldn't, can't, still can't officially like taste taste. It seemed like it was pretty good. The texture was there. It was a big burger, so it was worth it. I was a little. You were you were definitely mowing down on it. So now it was the first thing I ate in like three days too, but it was worth it. I'll put it on the list. so I don't know what else we've got happening. Anything else going on? Psycho Stick is at the Fun House at Mr. Small's, September 10th, this Saturday. This Saturday. Tom will be there. Chelsea will be there. I will be there. We have one extra ticket. But we still have no idea what the contest is going to be to get that ticket. Uh, at this point, um, at this point, it's just message us and ask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you if you want a ticket, let us know. Um, or or we're gonna take the IT guy down. <laughs> well, at least make the winner like all your social media. How about that? Yeah, yeah. First person, uh, we need a TikTok comment. Talking to you at the malarkey. He's not going to come. He's too busy with this Penn State stuff, too. We know Reggie's not coming. Um, now, I do have something. Speaking of the malarkey, he has a podcast coming out here shortly. Mm-hmm. And I told him I'd give him, like, a general plug right now. And then when he's ready to release... It's uh he's gonna come on again and talk to us about it. But it's just to give you the general gist of it, one of the things that he does on his TikTok page is talk about like um what's the word? Like do as I do as I say, say not as I do. Yeah, like what is that? Like Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, I know, but what's that? Like what's the word for that? Contradict. Yeah, the contradictions of like the church is what he's really going to focus on. Right. Um, so, I mean, I'll listen to it. He's a smart dude, man. Um, and, you know, plus he's got at this point like 45,000 TikTok followers to our 112. So, we'll give him some air time. Um, so, I mean, as you guys know, like, we've been on, like, a little serial killer spree. Um, I was at my fantasy football draft the other day, and uh, one of the guys was like, dude, I've been listening to your podcast. The one you did about Madame LaLaurie, that one was awesome, you know. Was that a real person, or was that just, like, from the... American Horror Story. And I said, no, no, she was real. She was definitely real. She was definitely evil. He was like, that's crazy that something like that could happen. So, this week, we're going to talk about a serial killer. 
who not only like went full bore from like the 1980s through the 1990s, but then successfully stopped. Right. Which is very uncommon for someone, for them to be able to get that kind of control and they stop without being in jail mm-hmm. or, or dead. So, uh, this particular gentleman. Very meticulous man. Very. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Really crazy, man. Um, I, I, hey, I looked into why he stopped. So once you get through your intro, we can get into okay. that a little deeper. All right. Awesome. Cause I have it. I know. Um, so he's, he was born February 18th, 1949 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yes, sir. His name is, um, Gary Leon Ridgway. Yes. <laughs> now his early life, right? He grew up in an abusive home. He was dyslexic. They held back a year. Failed a year. Um, he was a bedwetter until he was at least 13 years old. I have. And I have stuff you want, that. You want to tell me? This, this, this would put me over a deep end, dude. I'm telling you right now. Like his mom scrubbing his hoot? Yeah. Scrubbing his genitals? Every time he peed the bed, in the morning, she scrubbed his genitals and called him a dirty boy. Which gave him both fantasies, uh, both erotic and lethal. Yes. His, about her. There's an actual quote from him when he's interviewed, and he said, It caused conflicting feelings of anger and sexual attraction towards his mother, and he fantasized about killing her. Yes. I mean... Some people just shouldn't be parents. Right. Um, and then, at the age of 16, he lured a six-year-old boy into the woods. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the boy, little kid was like, well, I really don't know you. My mom said I need to stay here. And he was like, come on, let's go on an adventure. And... Smooth talked this kid into, into going. And, um, and then the little boy was like, you know, my mom says I really need to stay close because there's bad people out here. And he said, well, you should have listened to your mom. She was right. And he pulled out a steak knife and stabbed the kid in the liver. The kid survived. I don't know if he got in any trouble for it. I did not hear it, but. Uh, the reason that he did was, and he was quoted in an interview saying, because I wanted to feel what it would be like to kill someone. Yeah. Yeah, so that was his first foray and, uh, I don't know. Murder? Yeah, murder. Just not value in life. Um, you know, we touched on him being dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Right, um, he barely graduates high school. Yeah. Uh, from Tyee, T-Y-E-E, high school in the SeaTac area. In fact, he even scored a low 80s on his IQ test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have been one of those kids, like, when I worked at the place that shall not be named, 
Mortimer? Yeah. <laughs> um, that would have been like in a special needs building because right. of their functionality. Because their IQs aren't high, but they're prone to violence. Right. So, so he does grow up, and in 1969, he does graduate. He marries his high school girlfriend, Miss Claudia King. What? They're both cheating on each other. Yeah, yeah. And then he, he joins the Navy and goes to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Comes home from leave. With gonorrhea. Right, but on top of it, he comes home, and she has allowed two grown adult men to move into the house. And she has, she's basically a prostitute at this point. Um, but she's also having sex with them, and blah, and so obviously they get divorced. But yeah, so he gets, he frequently visits sex workers when he's in Vietnam. Yeah, you saw active combat and prostitutes, like on the regular. Yep, and gets gonorrhea, like Tom said, and then he's pissed about it. So he keeps having sex with everybody that he can, just to spread the gonorrhea, like as a, I'm getting even kind of thing. So, doesn't have, doesn't have much luck. As far as marriage goes, he was married three times. Uh, second marriage was to Marcia Winslow. Yes. And, and, and it did similarly because they were both unfaithful to yes. each other. And isn't she the one that like became like a topless lounge singer? Right. Yeah. And that caused some issues because his boss <coughs> went into the club. And, and saw her. And she sat on his lap and sung him a song while she was topless. So that's not going to last. Um... She actually leaves because he puts her in a chokehold yes. and is like just choking the yeah. shit out yeah. of her. And the cops came and he said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I did it." Okay, we'll just try not to do that anymore. Right. Um. But the ex-wives and all his ex-girlfriends said that like he demanded sex multiple times a day. Like he was insatiable. Like, and if you if if. If he wanted sex and he didn't give him sex, then he would get angry. So, um, but during his second marriage, he actually became deeply religious. Yes. So much so, in fact, that he was a door-to-door Bible salesman while killing prostitutes. I don't... I've done lineup, right? I am, I am pretty sure that that pause that you were talking about, Mike, where he stopped for a while, it, it, the timeline has to do with his third wife. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because he was... His third wife, because his third wife gave it to him enough. What was that stuff? I said his third wife is... Also linked to when he stopped killing, right? Because she gave him sex enough. Okay. <laughs> and he was quoted in during the, um, like when he was making his plea bargain to get away from the needle. <laughs> um, he also credits her with it, and he says that quote unquote, "I only murdered three after marrying her." Right. So it, it was such big infatuation with her, like and like BFF just said, is it was deeply physical and yeah. 
And um, she kept them occupied. So, like we said, the murders were between the 80s and 90s. They, you know, out out in the Seattle area. Um, and it pretty much like gripped this town like there was. I mean, I I get it. 15 years, 20 years, no, no, it's not solved, there's no suspect, no real solid suspects, like, um, the actual estimate is that he killed at least 71 people, he didn't take credit for all of them because he said he lost count. Some people actually put his number closer to 90. Yeah, I've I've read some things saying it it could be almost 100. Um, but he didn't admit to all of them because he said he's not gonna, if he doesn't remember. Right. Then he's not taking credit. Um, so, very early on, you know, they're starting to find these women washing up on shore, buried in the woods. So they create the Green River Task Force. There's two people, really, that are there from, like, start to finish. Robert Keppel and Dave Reichert. Yes. Um, so those guys were there from the beginning to end. You, I mean, can you imagine? That's your career. You've got your tw- 20 years trying to catch this guy. Right. Insane. And they had no idea. The FBI came in, and, like, there's there's a good one that we watched. I watched it on uh, 3D. Is that it? 2D? 2B. 2B? I don't know. All these streaming services, man. There's too many. Um, but it's called The Capture of the Green River Killer. And the FBI basically comes in and says, you guys are a bunch of small-town cops. You don't know shit. We're going to tell you how to handle this. And, you know, this is, they come up with their, um, what's that? Profile. Profile. Okay. They come up with the profile. It's it's a white male. Is this whole, he, he is probably married. He probably has, it's like generic, man. Mm-hmm. They're all the same. It's a white guy. Married, has a steady job, pillar of society, blah, blah, blah. Um, except all of the suspects minus one are all picked up multiple times for soliciting prostitution. Right. The only one that wasn't was a taxi driver. And he got, he became a suspect because he came forward to be like, hey, I, you know, you should look at this person and you should look at this person. You should really look at cab drivers is what he said. Yeah. And they said, oh, it's a great idea. Where were you? <laughs> he was like, oh, shit. Well, in the one TV interview he did, the reporter asked him, did you kill these girls? He said, quote, no, but I wish I did. I mean, I wish I knew who did. Yeah. <laughs> so, he obviously becomes a suspect. A little bit. 
<clears throat> Whoops. He failed the polygraph, too. <clears throat> oh, see, I didn't hear that. I heard that he, he passed it, but they looked back later and realized that it was like an ineffective polygraph because they didn't um, create like the baseline <clears throat> of him. See, the article I read uh, stated that he failed it, but, and this is apparently true in Pennsylvania as well, because I looked it up. If you pass a lie detector test, your lawyer can use it for you. If you fail it, the state cannot use it against you because there's too many other variables. Uh, okay. So the court system will, nine times out of ten, deny a polygraph test if yeah. the defendant asks for it. Okay. Because if they fail, they can't do anything about it. Right. And if they pass... It just helps them. Right. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that. So, um, I mean, this was, this was such a high-profile case <laughs> that the man, the myth, the legend, Theodore Bundy, reaches out to, to uh, Keppel, Detective Keppel, who was also instrumental in, or no, Special Agent Keppel. Because it was the FBI agent who was also detrimental in capturing Bundy. Yeah, no, Keppel... Oh, Keppel was one played by Tom Cavanaugh. Yeah. Right? Okay, never mind. I'm thinking of the other guy. Yeah, he uh, reaches out to Robert Keppel and says, Hey, I think I can help you. Now, there's a lot of back and forth as to whether Bundy actually helped or if he really was doing it to extend his life on Earth. Um, but I mean, the info he gave was correct. But he, he, the, his description fit to a T. Like, look, you're looking for somebody. Here's what you need to do. You need to find out, find like a fresh victim and set a trap there. Fresh scene and watch it because this guy's coming back. And they were like, okay. And you know, they he laid out a couple other things like. The killer was revisiting the dump sites to have sex with the victims. Um, and that, you know, they should stake it back out because he could, he's coming back. And before he's like burying, he's having sex again. And then in this case, he was taking his girlfriends and wives to those locations and having sex with them in the woods right next to where these bodies were buried. Sick. Um, do you know why he was necrophiliac? Not only because he enjoyed it, but and he was quoted in court documents saying, well, sometimes it's just easier to visit dead victims than it is to find a new woman to kill. So how, how, crappy, how crappy do you think it is that back in 1983 they actually interviewed him as a potential? Um, yeah, I mean it's crazy. Like that's one of the things that like Tom and I keep it's saying. It's a reoccurring thing. As we go through all these serial killers, at yeah. least one time they're they, in custody. They've come into custody for the police radar for. Exactly what they're doing. 
And this guy, this guy was like three times. It's crazy. You know, and he got, he got interviewed <laughs> twice. The first time, they just randomly, it was based off of the description of his truck. Yep. Yep. And the police officers were driving. They saw what he was like spraying the truck down, cleaning it out. And they pulled into his driveway and started asking him questions. And he had these scratches on his arm from his very first victim. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the second victim, but still very early. And he leaned up against, like, the wall of his house or the side of his fence so that they couldn't see it while he was they were talking to him. And the, yeah, this, oh, okay, that we were just following up on this, like... Have a nice day. He goes a step further, though, and starts pouring battery acid on his wounds from yes. doing this. Yep. So you can say he was fixing, he was working on his car, oh. or, or he worked at the big Peterbilt factory. Freightliner. Freightliner. Sorry, Peterbilt, don't sue us. <laughs> and he said it would, could claim it was a work accident. Um did you read about how um, he made his victim feel more safe? He would put his uh, child's clothes, uh, yeah, clothes and toys in the back seat. Yep. Yeah. So they thought he was a father. Yeah. And one time he at least one time confirmed in post verdict interviews with him. At least one time his son was actually with him. Yes. When in he murdered one. Yeah. yeah. When he got oh, back yeah. to the car, he said, you know, Matthew asked me, he said, Dad, where'd the lady go? And I just told him, oh, honey, he's walking home. She's, yeah, walking, she's walking home. home. Yeah. <clears throat> Crazy, man. Um, so let's see what else we got. So, yeah, interviewed by the police at least twice. Did a, First time they wanted him to do a polygraph, his attorney told him no. Second time they bring him in, he does one. He passes. And then eventually they'll get down the road, they get a warrant, and they had the foresight to, like, count him chew, like, on some cotton, like a cotton ball, and they put it in a bag. Because this is right, right as DNA is just kind of like a blip on the radar. Right. Like, yeah, you know, they'd run a test and it would be, it was as accurate as, yeah, it could be similar. And that was it. Um, so, when they do finally get to him, I know we're kind of skipping a little bit. Um, they, he admitted the 48 victims. Um, and the first one was July. She disappeared. She was 16 years old. Which is? Wendy Lee Cofield. Yes, sir. She disappeared July 8th, 82, found on July 15th. <clears throat> and just like we talked about a man Clay from New Orleans, there's some gaps in between because of where they're being dumped. But, you know... I don't even know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't want to read every single name. Right. I, I mean, I feel that that would be um, yeah, kind of in bad taste for mm-hmm. respect to the families and whatnot. Right, right. 
Right. Um, I, I can tell you, I have like um, basically like a, a list, if you want to call it that, of mm-hmm. um, how he, excuse me, got away with it for so long. Uh, and this is where him being meticulous comes in. He always picked up the unpopular prostitutes, ones that would be standing off by themselves, right. not with a group of other prostitutes. Uh, he left chewing gum and cigarettes at every scene, even though he neither chewed gum nor smoked. Uh, if he felt that he was driving too close to the crime scene, he would actually change the tires on his truck. Uh, you know, like I touched on earlier, he, pa- he poured battery acid on his wounds to blame it on work accidents. Mm-hmm. Um, if the woman happened to scratch him, he would clip her fingernails all the way down. And he always had the air, like he always had it, quote unquote, set up. Like he had his plan to go in, he had knew exactly where he was going to dump them. How already had that prepared? Already had several escape routes planned in case something came up. Like it, he used it for a very bad purpose. But even though he was, you know, quote unquote, low IQ, very intelligent in this yeah. aspect. Yeah. Well, and then you have that, but then you also have, you know, the late 80s. The 80s is computers are starting to come out, right? So, in the past, you'd have serial killers, and it it happened here too, where one town over, there'd be a murder. And because it was one town over, you didn't know about it. Right. So, we've reached the age now where everything is... (laughs) Getting uploaded into computers, right? Everything's starting to match up and click. Finally, so you know? he he caused such like a wave of destruction that he almost made like the police officers like data entry people. Right? You know what I mean? Like there was like, oh, we found a body. We found a body. We found a body. We found a body. So they were all entering all the information in the computer system and didn't, because of that, didn't have time to actually compare hardcore investigate. Right. You know what I mean? It took, I read something that it said it took almost two years to enter all the information from the different bodies that they had found scattered. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, you know, there were actually three people, uh, you know, who were arrested before uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gary Ridgway was. The first one, I couldn't find his name. Now, I'm sure you have it. Hold on, I got it. The first one's Melvin Foster. No, no. He was the taxi driver. He was the first one. That was the third one. See, in my notes, he was the first. Because he actually... After, like, the second girl disappeared or the third girl disappeared, she was in his cab. See, I didn't read that part. But the, the thing is, the, the first suspect, he was in custody while one of the victims, who was 16 years old, yeah, was, was abducted or murdered. McQueen so. or something. Uh, yeah, Miguel Milligan? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then he's like a... The second suspect is Charles Clark. Now, he admits to raping two prostitutes, and when he's locked up for that, a 19-year-old victim 
disappears and is found. Right. So, that, <coughs> so he's him. Well, he was let go for the murder, but kept on the rape charges. Right. See, now I I, I have the fourth person. I have this uh, guy named Bill Stevens, Ooh. who fit the FBI profile to a T. Poor relationship with women, hated prostitutes. Told anybody that would listen, prostitutes were spreading AIDS along the SeaTac Strip, which must be the red light district in that in, out there. What he, that he wanted to kidnap, torture, kill, and dissect women. He also wanted to fill them with rocks, throw them in the river, but take the crimes. January of 1989, the police searched his parents' house. They find a cache of guns and police badges, find nude photographs of the prostitutes. Then they find a hidden room with several several pornographic tapes of him raping the prostitutes and fake credit card receipts. He has a fully equipped, equipped police car with a scanner. <coughs> and then when they went to his house that he used to live in before he moved back in with his parents... They found another secret room that had, like, bondage items and, and things like that. Um, and if you watch the one video or the one the one show we were talking about, you know, he, he doesn't deny that he would bring prostitutes back to his house. And he right. filmed everything. And his whole thing to the police was, did you enjoy watching them? <coughs> Um, but again, had some alibis. They decided, they determined that he wasn't the guy either. Right. Um, but like, just, it's crazy. Like, it's almost like there's three or four different people running around doing like the same thing. Right. And like, that's why, you know, as, uh, as we were talking about earlier, off air, you know, there, there's a conspiracy theory. That it wasn't all just Gary. That it was these other gentlemen as well. Mm-hmm. And then Gary just... I couldn't find a logical reason, okay, yeah. why they said he took the fall, but... Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know, but... Um, the taxi driver, they eventually determined that while he may be a creep, it wasn't him. The brother of this Bill Stevens, there was an interview with him, and he says he still fully expects it. His brother, his brother's now passed away, he's died. But that he's gonna, he fully expects it down the road. Some of these are gonna get tied to his brother. Um. Hey, you know what's a great time for, Mike? Yeah, let's have some, uh, <coughs> Terrible Tuesdays with Terrible Tom. Terrible Tuesdays with Tom. Uh-huh. Hey, Mike. Yes, Tom. Do you know what the square root of 69 is? Oh, God. No. Eight something. <laughs> I support that one. No. That's a good one. Hey, Steph. That's a great joke. Great joke. Hey, Steph. What? You know what always catches my eye? What catches your eye? Short people with umbrellas.
That was that was not as good. No. Please don't encourage this stuff. Right. <laughs> it's bad enough. We have to give up time for these. I do appreciate them, Tom. Though I support you. Yes, we do appreciate yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. And hey, you you hit fifty percent today. Yeah. That's pretty. <clears throat> There's only been one other time. <laughs> Maybe you should tell Steph that one. That's the sniper one, right? No, the math, the math one. Oh, <laughs> hey Steph. Yeah, what Tom. does a math teacher and the Backstreet Boys oh. have in common? I don't know. They both want you to tell me why. <laughs> No. We built that out. That was good. I didn't. I wasn't convinced. <laughs> no. Well, it's because I've never been a math teacher or a boy, so I can only pretend. But I thought that one was a good one, Steph. Uh, well, you like the sniper one too. Yeah, I don't even remember that one though. I don't think I'll ever be a sniper, not by a long shot. Oh, uh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that one was good the first time. <laughs> Doesn't really hit you the second time. <laughs> um, hey, uh, Tom. Mike. Did you know Steph is famous? Steph is famous? Mm-hmm. Not only is she like one of the world's best photographers, she was at this concert. Um, Steph, do you want to tell about that? No, you go ahead. (laughs) So, Steph was in a concert, and footage from the concert went viral. It was a pink concert, and I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on some of it, but somebody was fighting, and a little girl was crying, and pink stopped the concert. Right. The little girl. Uh, was that your video? Well, no, not okay. mine. You were you were connected to the person at the time. I was connected very much so, yes. Okay. But, Made a lot of money off that. Yeah. And it was on TV. Yeah. Yeah, it was everywhere. It was on like um one of those uh evening shows, the news ones like current edition. The more tabloid ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, TMZ? Yeah, like one of those. It got picked up by one of those. And then with everybody clicking on it, yeah, made a lot of money on that video. <laughs> I'm talking like high five figures. Nice. Damn. Nice. Yeah. What? I've got a great idea. You need to just come and start filming us. <laughs> And I'm sure one of something that we do through our daily life <laughs> is worth yep. at least at least a hundred bucks. Well, yeah, hey, gotta start somewhere. Gotta start somewhere. Um. All right, so back to Mr. Ridgeway. Uh, 
it blows my mind how many times this dude's name came across desks, right? They create the, the hotline. Multiple people call in. Multiple suspects, multiple witnesses. They all threw this guy's name out. That, hey, you really need to look into, you really need to look at Gary Ridgeway. And when he would get interviewed, he just kind of passes, you know. So the investigation into him, some random letter arrives at the police station um, that really made no sense to anybody. They tried to crack it. They couldn't. April 30th of 1983, he's questioned at his home. Claims that he leaned up against the fence to hide the scratches from uh, Malvar, who is... She's actually victim 24. Right. So, but you're talking from September of 82... To her, April 30th of 1983, 24 bodies. Right. Um, he did want to be the most prolific murderer in U.S. history. Yeah. And, he, and crazy enough, he didn't make it. So, so he was for a while. May of 84, he passes his first polygraph test. Then they have one of her his exes. Takes police to places outside where he would have sex with her. And many close places were like right near where they found bodies. So April 8th of 87, they get a warrant to search his house and his vehicles. Couldn't find any hard evidence. It's all circumstantial. Right. <laughs> but this is where they had him chew on a piece of gauze to collect DNA. They send it out, and basically they couldn't make a determination at that time. And then it just kind of falls to the wayside. The the uh, task force loses its funding, you know. And it's a, it goes into the cold case files until... Um, they get a new police chief. Well, the one that I read was that he actually became the chief and reopened the case. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, that could be it. And then at that point, DNA you know, was bad. DNA is, yeah, yeah. We can tell you who it is, like. And so finally, he was at work. 2001. So you're talking, what's that, 19 years? 19 years. 18 years. Um, he was at work. They got the hit when the when the one guy, the one police officer, came up to um, Keppel, Officer Keppel. He said, "We got your guy. We got a hit." And without even opening it, he goes, Gary "It's Gary Ridgeway, right?" And then they opened it, and sure enough, it was him. You know. And at this point, he was done. Um, but 
They got them. It took a long time, and there's still a lot of bodies out there. That they don't know who the people are. They don't know what happened to them. Um, so the assumption is that, yes, he admitted the 48, or four, and then later another one, so 49. There's, there's probably... Anywhere from 71 to 100. Yeah. So, crazy. Just crazy. You know, I feel like, I feel like now, you wouldn't get away with it as long as he did. <laughs> oh, no. It, it... Which is, thank God. Right, right. I mean, not that we condone not, Thanos. Yeah, we, we don't, we don't condone. Uh, Thanos was right, people. I mean... Yeah, it is what it is, man. Evil's evil. Thank God we've now got more, that can more tools available to maybe end, end someone's evil actions faster. I mean, it, you know, all these guys back in the day, you know, like Mr. Bundy who assisted on this case, when the heat got turned up on him in one state, he just moved to another. Yep. And I was reading an article today that um, British Columbia has been doing interviews with Gary Ridgeway because they have a lot of unsolved. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, that is. I mean, it's not well, it's far. Like Forty-five minutes yeah. away from SeaTac. Yeah, right across the bridge. So, it's interesting, but who knows? I'm just glad that they were able to finally get him, catch up, and it worked out in the end. Because who knows? Him and that, him and wife number three might have went on the rocks, and right. he would add another spree in the 2000s. So. But, I mean, I think that's all I got, man. This is kind of a short one for for as crazy as this guy was. Um, but I, I think that's it. That's about all I got, too. That's all I got for him. Definitely uh, hitting all the highlights. That's for sure. Yeah. He's something else. Who are we doing next week? Um, Let me take the old look-see here. Hi, Hudson. Hudson, you've been good today, man. Good job, dude. So, while Tom's looking... Harrison Graham. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea where he came from. We'll have to look. He must be one of our lesser-known fellas. But, so, Steph, yesterday, um, Hudson... Goes outside. He's out. Tom and I and Adam and uh, Shaggy are playing pool. Man, Hudson's been outside. Oh, he was the Philly serial killer. Oh, yeah. All right. And I said, uh, you know, we probably need to bring <laughs> Hudson in. He's been pretty quiet. Quiet, yeah. Tom goes, oh, I'm going to get him. Goes outside. I hear the door shut. I hear the door open back up. He goes, uh, Hudson has a possum hanging out of his mouth. 
No, I said he definitely caught and is definitely eating a possum right now. <sighs> yes, he was. He definitely was. It, poor little baby possum made a wrong turn that ended up in, like, Hudson's reach. And old Hudson... Ended up in Hudson's jaw, huh? Yep, he yeah. sniffed him out. Wow. He was not letting go, Steph. I tried prying his mouth open to get the little possum out. It knocked. Nothing. Nope. Wow. And, uh, so, like, I had to hold his leash for it and wait for him to, like, put the possum down to, like, pick him back up in a better grip. And I pulled him away. And, uh. I'm not gonna lie, Mike, you almost lost that fight with Hudson. Yeah, that was, that was close. <laughs> I mean, he is a big dude. All muscle, probably hitting 80 pounds now. Wow. Um, Big boy. Yeah. Yeah, he started pulling. But we freed the possum from his mouth. Unfortunately, it it was. Yeah, unfortunately, Hudson isn't as soft with wild animals as as he is birds. He goes to the, to Gary's school of, uh, getting rid of possums apparently, right? Yeah, very cool. we, we really were hoping that the possum was going to be okay because you know they do a lot. They do a lot around, like you know what I mean. They keep ticks and mosquitoes, and they're good little critters. Um, right. And I was like, oh my god, he's so cute. Too bad we didn't catch him before Hudson. We could have come in the house and lived here. Um, Unfortunately, um, uh, Hudson did pierce Hudson his abdomen. Yeah, it punctured him, so the poor little dude didn't make it. Um, but so far now, Hudson has two rabbits and a possum on his list. Well, he's a hunting dog. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, but anyways. Oh, he was so mad. Oh, he's pissed. So pissed and took it off of him. I thought he was going to come through the screen in the kitchen to come back outside. So, um, yeah, he was not happy. And then the rest of the night, he was pissed. He <laughs> kept jumping into the door going, let me back outside. And we were like, nah, you're done, dude. We're not, we're not taking any more possums out of your mouth. So, but anyways, alright, look people, that's all we really have this week. Um, we are gonna try to come and hit the Podbean Live feature that we have. Ooh. While we're at Psycho Stick. I don't know if it'll work or not. We've never tried it. Um, but we're gonna try to do it. And, uh, it's not looking like we're gonna get an interview with those fellas. But I get it. They're busy and they're actually touring and this is where they make their money. Yeah, this is their job. This isn't, like, you know. But we will be there when Mike has a drink shirts and, and, and maybe one of them will recognize it. And, uh, maybe we'll get some time after or something. Um, next week we're going to talk about a Philadelphia pseudo killer. And I think that's all we have. Do you have anything to say to our people besides putting shopping carts away? I actually wasn't going to say it this week, Okay. Right? <laughs> I was just going to say, just say a kind word, a little smile and a wave. Yeah. You have no idea how easily that can turn someone's day around for yeah, them. Yeah, because you don't know what people are going through. 
They could be stressed. They could have work, woke up late, had issues with the kids in the morning. I know that's not a rare occurrence in this household. Um, <laughs> now, I will say, just getting the IT guy up compared to getting Shaggy and the <laughs> IT guy up is, is, has been much smoother. Um, because the IT guy will wake up. He's not happy about it, but he'll at least wake up. Um, <laughs> so that's that's at least been been a little bit better. Uh, so you don't know, man. You know what I mean? You drive some mom or some dad drags has to drive a kid out of school. If you just wave them through a stop sign, right. It might just ease some stress of, you know. Wife. Yeah. It is what it is. Right? We're all living the same thing. We're all going through it. All going through the American nightmare, people. Just be nice. Help someone out. And if you're at uh, the Funhouse, Mr. Smalls, Stop in, say hi. We'll have some Mike has a drink. Worst podcast ever stickers for you. Um, we're going to do a quick TikTok thing. And if you want the free ticket, that'll be how you get it. So have a, have a great night. Have a wonderful week. Hello, beautiful. Hi. Chelsea, thank you for coming back. We missed you. <laughs> I missed you. Um, have a, have a good one. We love you. Thanks for listening.